attention Crossroom shoppers. The store is now closed. If you were unable to make your final purchases and grab a Crossrip, Deep Peaks, or hug a Reitman shirt, we've got you covered. Just drop us a direct message and a representative from our staff will be happy to accommodate your needs. Thank you for shopping the Paranormal Shop and have a nice afterlife. Hey there, everybody, and welcome to The Crossrip. This week on the show, we are so excited to be joined by Jen Fujikawa, the author of so many cookbooks, including the Star Wars Padawan cookbook, the Avengers Campus cookbook, the Princess Bride cookbook, the Goldbergs cookbook, Parks and Rec the cookbook, but most importantly, Ghostbusters the official cookbook. And we are delighted to have her on to talk about the process and everything that's in store for that book. Stay tuned. Still Playing With Toys presents The Ghostbusters Interdimensional Crossroad, the biggest podcast since 1909. So free. News, interviews, and commentary on everything Ghostbusters. Are you the keymaster? Here are your hosts, Troy Benjamin and Chris Stewart. <laughs> Weird name. Gotta make the best of that. You know, it's just occurred to me we really haven't had a completely successful test of this equipment. Hey, everybody. Welcome to a very special Crossroad. Uh, this this interview is so important and close to me that we pulled the entire podcast out of mothballs just for this person because I adore her. She is my creative inspiration on a variety of fronts. Uh, but we are here with uh, Jen Fujikawa, the author of Ghostbusters, the official cookbook, which is coming on shelves uh, October 17th. What's the official release date on it? I've already forgotten, Jen. 25th. 25th. Okay, good. So you got a couple of weeks. If you haven't pre-ordered, you can pre-order it right now. To pause this and then pre-order it right now. But um, but this is very exciting because Jen has done a wide variety of cookbooks. She does a ton of awesome recipes that you can go to her website and, and take a look at. Um, and is just a very creative person. So thanks thanks for coming on the show, Jen. This is going to be a lot of fun. Of course. Thanks for having me. So let's start. I, I my icebreaker question for all of these interviews because I'm always genuinely curious is how how did you first become introduced to Ghostbusters? Was it through the film? Did you go to the film uh, in the theater? Did you watch it on VHS? What what was your first sort of exposure to to Ghostbusters? Um, I think my first memory of it is my family just super loved the movie. My family watched a lot of SNL alum movies that they quote to this day, probably every week. My brother quotes Caddyshack to me, or we watch Three Amigos, or Spies Like Us, or, but Ghostbusters was huge in my house, and we watched it, and we watched it over and over again as a family. And um, even, I put this in sort of my thank yous in my book, but my mom dressed, she used to run like the Halloween for PTA in our school, and she dressed up like a Ghostbuster, and she didn't have a proton pack, so she used a vacuum on her back. <laughs> And that's sort of like, it was, it was, it's just always something that my family loved all together, all of us. All right. So that explains you and I, we, we are the two people that can speak in references. And I think that was one of the first things is we did a three amigos, like a plethora reference. And I was like, oh, Jen and I are going to get along just fine when we first met. <laughs> all right. So that makes a lot of sense. And then, so at what point do you start applying your your love of pop culture because you also love uh, you know also all sorts of you're wearing a Flynn's arcade t-shirt obviously you you love a lot of, of fun General pop culture surgery. things yeah when did you start applying that to food and to the things that you were doing creatively 
So I actually, when I had my kids is when I started um, doing pop culture food. I had a food blog and I kind of just used the blog as a way to um, create recipes and keep them in a place where I could always get to them no matter where I was if I was traveling. And um, I originally made a Star Wars party for my kids. And this was like back before... Um, Instagram and things like that. And I would, it was a decent food blog. People would come and they would get my recipes. But when I put the Star Wars party up, um, I shot up to like 100,000 views in a week and wow. just kept growing. And I was like, oh, other people like Star Wars like I do and food. That's weird. Where now you would never think that that's a weird thing. But back then it was a rarity and people kept coming back for more recipes. And from that blog, um, companies, found me and asked me to start making things for them. So that's Marvel approached me, Lucasfilm approached me, Fandango at the time approached me to create specific recipes related to franchises. And that's how I started doing it, just to kind of have fun with my kids and to make food that was related to movies and television and things that I loved. Um, for Ghostbusters specifically, um, I had always kept journals or notebooks because I used to be an architect, so I'd draw everything. So I kept copious notes on a bunch of different franchises of things that I loved for ideas. So I have like years of notes of Ghostbusters ideas for food. They And I just thought, I'm going to hold on to these for something. And I never knew what they were for. And I would kind of do some recipes here or there. But when this book came about, I cracked that thing open and so it was already <laughs> mostly written by the time I'd gotten to this book. Oh, that's funny. Cause one of the things I wanted to pick your brain about is how you approach a cookbook, but let's, let's come back to that in a second. So when you first started your food blog, um, you were an architect at the time, were you, was that what you were doing while you were also kind of doing the food blogging on the side? Yes, I was a theme park designer and I hated my job because it was very stressful. And when you hate your job, you just start filling your life with things that make you happy, even if it's like way too much stress, takes way too much time. So I would do my day job of designing theme parks. And then when I got home, I'm like, I'm going to create fun recipes to make my life better and make myself happy in the after hours. And that's how that food blog started. So I kind of created this career that I have now from that sort of side hustle I was doing mm. to make myself feel better. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. He says on his <laughs> Ghostbusters podcast. Um, that's awesome. I, so you're designing theme parks by day. You're doing this food blog at night. The companies start reaching out to you to do projects, um, social media, the advent of that. I'm sure you're having to do all sorts of, because if, if people follow you on Instagram, which they should, they see that you are constantly cooking up something amazing and awesome. And I'm super jealous of your boys because they have like the best dinners and stuff. But um, so, and you start doing cookbooks you've done. Okay. Keep me honest here. So there's princess bride parks and rec uh, Avengers campus. There's two star Wars books. Star Wars Padawan and star Wars life day. Star Wars life day. Uh, Lucy. I love Lucy. Gudetama. Goldbergs. And I only take books that I truly, truly love the I love and know the IP really well. Like yeah. other properties have come to me that I'm just a casual fan of, but I feel like the people that read my books know whether or not I really, really like and understand these properties. So I say no to a lot of things because I feel like someone who truly loves that franchise should be taking care of them. 
Yeah. And you can feel the, the love and inspiration and like the, the, the videos that we were able to do together on Ghostbusters Afterlife, you know, you've, you've felt the, the mini puffs had the, the charm and the love that we know of the Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man and a little bit of the malicious nature that we had seen of the mini puffs at that point in time. But, but you had that knowledge to make them expressional and, and to make them sort of, um, closer to their real characters. I know we, they were edible marshmallows too. So you, you kind of had to make them look appealing, but, um, but yeah, you can, you can feel that in everything you do is the love of what you do and the, the references and the deep encyclopedic knowledge. Uh, I, I love it. Um, so tell me, tell me about the process of, of creating a cookbook. Um, I, I, full disclosure, there was a cookbook that you and I were about to do that, that didn't quite get off the ground. And I was very excited uh, to do it just because I've never been a part of a cookbook. I've never seen like, what do you do when you've got a clean slate to start populating that? So uh, and in this instance, you had a binder with things that you had already put together, but ordinarily, do you just start co concepting, ideating things that you think might might work? Where Where do you begin? So yeah, a publisher usually comes to me with an idea. And um, if it's something that I'm truly passionate about or something that I feel like I could um, take on, then I start breaking it down like a regular book, like an outline. And I start going and deep diving into how that food can be either related to specific scenes or related to specific characters um, like the mini puffs. And every um, cookbook is about 50 to 60 recipes. So it's a good chunk of recipes that you have to make from scratch. I mean, you have to figure out not only how these new recipes will work, but also how they work within the movie that you're that you're trying to portray. Um, and for me, sometimes that's hard because I've written so many recipes in my lifetime that when I Google to make sure that it hasn't been done before, because I don't want to obviously take someone else's idea, sure. but also just to make sure that something that I have is fresh. And when I do that, usually when I Google a recipe, it's myself that comes up, which <laughs> is a problem. So I'm like, oh, that person did it. Oh, it's me. It's me. I did it. Can and you plagiarize yourself? I feel like you can. <laughs> yeah. So that's the only time when it's like, oh, gosh, I've already done that. I have to like, like start from the ground up again. But yes, uh, 60 recipes is a lot. And I try to break it down into like, a typical cookbook with appetizers, main sides and desserts, but um, always, always incorporating scenes, characters, and things that people are familiar with that they truly love. How much of it is things that you actually see on screen versus things that are kind of inspired by things that you see on screen? Because it's like, in the Ghostbusters cookbook, can we expect uh, the Chinese food takeout uh, recipe for whatever they're eating there while Egon is, is fiddling with the wand? Or do you take something that's inspired by that scene and create something new? Both of those things. And I think knowing, again, uh, a franchise so well is super helpful because there are specific scenes where they're actually eating things. But there are other scenes where you kind of have to use your imagination. So when they talk about the Twinkie and show the Twinkie, or my original idea was to actually make a giant Twinkie. And that's what I did. In the cookbook, you can make a Twinkie that's about probably two feet long. It's a cake. Um, so it's sort of taking that idea and making it a reality. Um what you brought up before, I, I, I try and take scenes that maybe you are just 
side scenes or you wouldn't think about. But when they say that they have the last of the petty cash and they spend it on Chinese food immediately, I'm like, well, obviously I'm going to make egg rolls because that's something that they would probably buy with their petty cash. So it's kind of like a combination of taking little references and it helps watching a movie about a thousand times, which I do regularly um, to come up with these weird ideas. That's fun. So what are some of the other, you mentioned the the petty cash egg rolls and, and the giant Twinkie. That's fun. What what else is in store for people when they pick up this book in a couple of weeks? Well, I think there's a lot of um, ways to interpret those scenes. Um, this cookbook covers 1984 Ghostbusters and then also Afterlife. And it kind of, you know, runs that thread from one to the other. So um, for instance, you could make in the book, there's a recipe for pizza, but it's Phoebe's pizza. And the way that you incorporate that is Phoebe loves puzzles. So in my instructions, I'm like, you don't cut this pizza like a regular pizza. You cut it like a puzzle and kind of like, again, it's a fun thing that kids can play with and get them interested in cooking as well. All of my recipes, I make sure that they're simple. I don't want people to struggle. My whole thing is like, very ratatouille. Anyone can cook. Don't get discouraged. Just power through. And all my recipes are also tested on my kids. So if they taste terrible, my kids will tell me and it, and it'll be reworked and until it's right, because they're the biggest critics. Kid tested pop culture approved. Yes. That's the, maybe we can put that on all of the covers of your books, like (laughs) just on the hype sticker or something. Um, so that's good to know because my, my other question for you is like, if I am a, a, a total Clark Griswold in the kitchen and I'm setting stuff on fire and burning flour when I'm supposed to just be browning it. It, it, it. Are there more complex recipes in there for the advanced cooks, but then also the the simple stuff? And you, you answered, it sounds like there's a, a lot of simple for the noob stuff uh, that you can do in these, these books, but are there for, for the seasoned chefs, are there things in there as well? Yes. And all my books, when I start doing the outline, um, I put sort of difficulty levels so that you can look and see, is it easy? Is it going to take me like five minutes or is it difficult? I specifically put that there so that people know how much time it's going to take them, whether they or not they want to expend that sort of effort. So there is a difficulty level. There's also a dietary restriction that I put in all of my books. So there's gluten-free recipes, there's vegan oh, recipes, cool. and everything is adaptable, but a lot of people just don't want to go through those changes and want to know. And so that's how I start every outline is putting those things in and making sure that anyone who picks up this book is covered as far as cooking, as far as what they can eat, and as far as skill level. That's awesome. So you could theoretically put together a full meal from course to course to from starters all the way to desserts and adhere to any dietary restrictions that any of your guests may have. And you can have that Ghostbusters party for everybody. Yeah. Uh, and you can use the cookbook. That's awesome. Um, were there any, d- did you save room for sequels? Cause you didn't mention Ghostbusters too. So I guess the psychomagnetic slime, the edible psychomagnetic slime is not in there. Well, I did slip it in because obviously I wanted to make toaster tarts. Uh. So yes, there are uh, homemade toaster tarts that are pink with the slime that you can make. Um, so that is in there. That's awesome. I love it. Um, how do you, so it sounds like, so you ideate the concept, you sit in the, the Fujikawa test kitchen and make sure that the, everything tastes right and works together, but then how does it get photographed? Is that something, do you provide the recipes to the book publisher or because I know, again, if, if people follow you on Instagram, 
you take amazing photos of all of your works. Is that something that you then do in, in part of this process? So it depends on the publisher. Some publishers that I work with, like my I Love Lucy cookbook and the Goldberg's cookbook, I did everything from writing every single piece of copy, every single recipe, testing it all and photographing it. Those are huge lifts. Those are are big projects. But um, generally for this book, I create the recipes, test them, and then I take reference photographs. And those reference photographs go to a photographer who takes um, specific ones that we think are going to really pop like for instance, marshmallows with the faces because they're super cute. Obviously, everyone wants one wants to see those. Um, and when we send those to a photographer. Also, speaking of those mini puffs, because I was so those mini puffs are my babies, my actual children, and I wanted to make sure they look like mine. So I made many, like, I don't know, 20 or 30 of them, and then I shipped <laughs> them in a little box and I shipped them to the photographer. So they wouldn't make them that they would look like mine. So I can just imagine like opening a box of <laughs> like mini puffs staring at you, which is an ideal way to receive them. I think. Uh, yeah. I would say part of me wishes that you were shipping them across a, a border so that a customs person would have to open this box and see a whole bunch of like marshmallow heads in there and be like, what is this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's funny. Okay. So that makes sense because I, looking at the cover of the the book, that's obviously your, your illustration on the mini puffed face. And I was curious, like how that worked, how they got your, drawing onto that if, if you weren't the one creating the food and taking the pictures. Yeah. Uh, there are things that I am very particular about, and that's usually like the hand-drawn things that are very much my signature. So I insist usually in the beginning that I need these to be mine. Everything else can kind of have a little bit of leeway, but something specific like that or like Chewbacca's face, it has to be from my hand. So that's I there are a lot of those like and and I've seen some people that have after you did the mini puffed um videos right before afterlife came out you did these awesome videos which I'll put in the the links here in the the show notes um and they were the, they were awesome because we also heard the first score from Ghostbusters Afterlife so a lot of people heard that and it immediately perked too um but I did see I did see a lot of people attempt to make their own mini puffs after that and the faces people out there have to work on their faces to make them look a little bit more like yours. Some, some dude actually used a real Sharpie. And I remember you sending me a text like that's poison. You can't eat that. You got to use an edible pen. Exactly. Exactly. Um, um, food with caution, food with caution. Yeah, exactly. But uh, does that ever, I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure it brings you great joy to see other people making your creations and posting them on, on social media and stuff. But are there ever those ones where it looks like an episode of Nailed It where you kind of want to go, can I give I'm, you a, a little constructive criticism here? No, no, I'm always excited that people actually make it. Because sometimes you make these books, especially when they're pop culture books, and you're like, this is just going to be like someone's coffee table book. But I think fans in the fandom truly want to connect with the movie or television show that they love. And one example is I never, again, try to, I never want to make things that are an impossible task for someone. I want them to make the most simplest things ever. So for example, I also make recipes for Star Wars. And one of the Star Wars recipes that I made was to me, something that no one should ever do, but it was something personal to me. Um, it was the droid Dio from the movie. And I, for my whole career, I wanted to make an edible moving piece of food, something that was Whoa. 
start to finish, you could eat. There were no toothpicks, no strings, no nothing. I wanted the entire thing to be movable. So using my architecture background, I really like drafted out this idea to make this edible cookie that was Dio and have him actually be able to roll back and forth. All the moving parts are made edible. All the moving parts are made of the cookie. But I was hesitant to put it up because I don't want people to be like, why would I ever do this? This is impossible. This is too much work. But it was something that for me, I wanted to accomplish. So we put it up and almost immediately people started actually following my drafted directions and making it. And I was shocked. I I was so happy that they took that on, um, but I never wanted them to feel like this (laughs) this is ridiculous. So yeah, I'm always happy to see people tag me in what they've made. That's cool. That actually makes a whole lot of sense. Now your architecture background, it's sort of like when toy designers come from a, me- a mechanical engineering or an automotive uh, background or something. And and then they start designing like the fright features, Ghostbusters toys that have all of the mechanical parts works and stuff in there that, um, but now you get to take your knowledge of, of constructing projects and how things need to, to be designed and drafted and apply that into food. Your, your gingerbread houses must be amazing. They have to be right. <laughs> Yes, there were uh, many years my mom and I did gingerbread houses where I would build the entire thing top to bottom and construct it like it was an actual house. Um, We gave that up for a little while because it it became too much. I took on too much. But um, yeah, as you know, I'm very precise about how I want things to be built. And like when we did the mini puffs, if they weren't exact, then I I want to start over because I want them to look exactly how they are in my mind. <laughs> that's yeah. It's I I think I think that's another reason why you and I get along so well. It's it's like the the Virgo Type A thing that I have going. It's just like you you want things to be a very certain way and very specific and precise, and I'm the, the same exact way. It's yeah. And if there's something that's just a little off, uh, your the vein pops out and in the same way. Tables get flipped. Things got lit on fire. I didn't want to bring that up. It was kind of, it was a little disturbing when you set your own house on fire, but yeah, anything, anything for the gram, right? (laughs) Anything for the gram. Um, I I realized we, we skipped over uh, our good friend, Eric Burnham, um, who, if you're not aware and you should be, has uh, been a longtime writer on the Ghostbusters IDW comic series uh, until it concluded about a year and a half, two years ago now. But um, what, what did he contribute? So you've got the cookbook, obviously, but then what did Eric bring to the table? So once I put together the outline and start writing out the recipes, um, we kind of come together to figure out sort of a narrative for where this is going to go. Um, with this cookbook, I think we settled on podcasts sort of being the through line. So if you open it up and look at the recipes, it's sort of like as if people are on podcasts, podcasts, talking about a specific recipe. Oh, that's so cool. Um, And then there's parts where Ray comes in and then they start having conversations that Eric has written. And and all of this is inspired by the recipes that I've placed into these this order. Um, and so he did a fantastic job and it's just so fun when you get to open it and read this book and then you see characters that you know and love, but they're talking about food. I find that funny and exciting, but I think that people really love it because they'll get to see, um, sort of that same, the way that Eric does such a great job in writing his comic books is like seeing a different side of these characters and seeing them talk about food and talk about cooking. And it's a lot of fun. That's, that's cool to hear. Cause I, one of the things that I love about your, your cookbooks is they are, 
in addition to being a reference uh, manual that you can use for cooking and putting these creations together, they're a fun read from start to to finish. Like the the Life Day book uh, that you wrote for Star Wars, there's a lot of great backstory in there about Life Day, and you've created this whole world uh, that incorporates all of the food elements uh, of of the celebration, and so. Hearing, hearing that you've got that in there and you've got Eric who's got the voices, man, he can really write those voices uh, to yeah, a T. And it's really important to me that these recipes, again, that fans really get it. There's so much um, deeper things that are involved, I think, than people realize when I'm writing these recipes because not only do I want to give context to the writer, to Eric or to Mark, um, I bring in all these sort of background elements that are in my mind. So with a Star Wars cookbook, if I'm making a recipe, I think about, I do the research to think about what plants are on that planet, what animals, and then I incorporate those colors or those animals into the food. Um, same with Ghostbusters. I try and make sure that it's using elements that you see on screen. So there's like a farmhouse French onion soup because he lives on a farm and you very briefly see like some French onion soup bowls and things like that. So I'm, I'm creating the story in my mind. And then I try to explain it to Eric and be like, this is what this means. It's just me being absolutely insane and finding these tiny little details. And I also try to make sure that every character is represented. Like no one's a side character. There's a recipe for Lucky. There's a recipe for Winston. There's a recipe for Podcast and Phoebe. And I want to make sure that everyone sort of gets their own recipe and so that everyone's represented in the book. And some blue velvet Jamocha for Gruberson or something in there, right? It's got to be. For sure. Can't leave Paul Rudd out of anything. No, no, nor should you. Um, so I, what else? Uh, so this book is, is coming out in October, um, and the most recent one was uh, Star Wars Padawan, right, that just came out previous to this. Um, yes. What else uh, is coming out that people can be excited for that you've got working on? So I took on the pandemic in a different way. I overworked myself and I wrote 10 books in three years and they all just started coming out one after the other. So this year it was sort of like every month had a new book and I felt really bad for the people who follow me on Instagram because it's like, I have a new book. No, not that one. I have another <laughs> new book. No, not that one. So yes, this Ghostbusters one comes out October 25th and then my 10th and final book of this phase um, comes out in December, and it's the Princess Bride cookbook. Oh, that's the Princess Bride one. Is okay. And that's the last another one. book that you would not. I mean, there are very little like food scenes in that, but because I just adore that movie, I sort of created these these references that I think people are really going to love. Fire roasted rous's, right? I definitely made rous's. Yes, you can make and eat. So yes, <laughs> I love it. Um, all right. Well, so definitely if you have not pre-ordered the cookbook, please do that. And it sounds like if you are not a, uh, an astute chef like myself, there's stuff in there for you as well. Um, with, with the elements that Eric has added, um, where, where can I keep mentioning your Instagram, Jen, where's the best place for people to follow you? Yeah. My Instagram is where I put, um, all my new books that are coming out. And then I put up content every single day of things that I just make in my kitchen or serve my kids for dinner. So my Instagram is at just Jen recipes and that's the best place to see what I'm making. I love it. Um, well, 
slow down. You're making us all look bad. Um, maybe take some time off after these 10 books. Yeah, no, I'm retiring for sure. And rest up because you're going to have to do a, uh, afterlife sequel book and you're going to have to do a Netflix Ghostbusters book and start another binder, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) All right. Thanks so much for joining us, Jen. Thanks. Don't wait another minute. Pick up your phone and call the professionals. Go Ghostbusters. I'm sorry. We'll do it again. We want to hear from you. Leave us a voicemail on our calling line at 470-242-4742. That's 4702-GBHQIC. We also have a Facebook page. And Twitter accounts. Print is dead. No kidding. Just give me the address. Search Facebook for... Ghostbusters. Interdimensional crossword. On Twitter, look for Troy at Ghostbusters HQ and Chris at Proton Charger. I just want to get back close again. What the hell are you doing? If you like what you hear, please take a moment to give us a review on iTunes. Be sure to recommend us to your friends. That makes good sense. Don't wait another minute. Pick up your phone and call the professionals. Once again, our call-in line is 4702-GBHQIC. That ought to do it. Thanks very much, Ray. Well, there it was. Our thanks to Jen. Jen is amazing. Um, full disclosure, I consider Jen a friend. I hope she considers me a friend, too. I don't know. I, I, now I'm putting her on the spot. Maybe if she's listening to this. are we? We're friends, right? We, 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 okay, cool. I hope so. It would break my heart. Anyway, uh, yeah, go make sure to pick up that Ghostbusters, the official cookbook, uh, and uh, get that pre-order in so that you have it uh, in hand for Halloween. That's Man, that's great timing. You can have it uh, just in time for Halloween weekend. Hey, speaking of Halloween weekend, we've got the WGBI mixtape from Mixmaster Chris that's coming uh, next week, uh, a week from today. Hey, also a week from today, don't forget that Ghostbusters Spirits Unleashed releases. Uh, all the platforms, it's a cross-platform game, uh, which is going to be a whole lot of fun. I hope that those servers are packed. Uh, hopefully I will see you all there uh, at least once or twice. I mean, I'm hoping to play as much as I possibly can to accumulate some XP and not fall behind all of the younglings uh, because that's what always happens with those games, man. Like, I, I get the game and I play it, like, once and I feel pretty good about it and then I come back a week later and everybody just kicks my ass because they've all been playing that entire time and I haven't. It's a bummer. But anyway, uh, yeah, so Spirits Unleashed, make sure you pick that up. Um, I think Amazon, as of right now, was sold out of that Tobin Spirit Guide Collector's Edition. Um, So if you're looking for that, you might want to act fast to make sure that you get a copy wherever you can pick it up. Maybe GameStop or something like that. But um, so, hey, hope you guys are enjoying this uh, temporary uh, limited time only resurgence, reemergence, resurrection, whatever you want to call it, of the Crossrip. Um, it's been a lot of fun to uh, open up the, the phone lines and open up the channels once again uh, for everybody to have. Uh, October's our season, man. What would October be without the cross rip? And uh, it's been it's been great reconnecting with Chris on last week's episode. I'm very excited to listen to what he's got in store for WGBI next week. And you know, we'll, we'll we might keep things going. I mean, we're going to be playing Spirits Unleashed, so we got to figure out some sort of chat, right? And we got New York Comic. Oh my God! New York Comic Con is happening right now as I'm recording this, and who knows what's in store there? Because last time they showed the Afterlife, it, total surprise. So who who knows what's gonna happen there? Ay ay ay! It's a good time to be a Ghostbusters fan. It's a good time to be a fan in general. Everybody who is complaining, I've said it multiple times. You are doing it wrong. Like. 
all right, go watch uh, a, a Marvel series. Go watch a Marvel film. Go watch a Star Wars series. Go watch uh, Rings of Power. Go watch Game of Thrones. Go. If something's bugging you, you got plenty to distract you from it. Uh, pop culture, life, or otherwise. So do it. Do it right. Let the escapism help you escape for once. <sighs> all right. What am I even talking about, guys? I don't know. This is the the longest wrap up ever, so I'm gonna I'm gonna end it here. But uh, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you again to Jen. Pick up Ghostbusters: The Official Cookbook. It is amazing. I got to read some of the e galleys, and they are awesome. And uh, fun fun culinary treats are in store for you. Uh, but until you hear us next time, see you on the other side. Who you gonna call? Thanks for joining the Ghostbusters Interdimensional Crossroad. Visit us at ProtonCharging.com, GhostbustersHQ.net, and StillPlayingWithToys.net. That used to be one of my two favorite shows. Everything you're doing is bad. I just want to let you know that. Really found its voice in the 46th episode. Oh, oh, oh. Next week, though, Careless Pets. We're so cool.